Recorded live, high above planet Earth, inside an abandoned moon base, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Slaughter Film. Filthy Edibles, and welcome to another episode of the Slaughter Film Podcast. I am Corey, nice guy car, and I'm accompanied, yeah. as always, by Forrest, fell down a well, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm... <laughs> Sorry. And with us again is our goth intern, Rhiannon, Tubby Grumble Pushchak. Interesting. <laughs> yes. And this uh, week, we're talking about uh, Universal Monsters, kind of, but with a uh, rock star spin on it. Yeah. Rhiannon, you were talking about The Hunger. It which has is, David Bowie in it. Yes. A he's, vamp- a, he's a vampire A vampire it. story <laughs> with David Bowie. What more do you want? Yeah. I am doing The Bride, which is a Frankenstein story with Sting, and Corey is doing Monster Dog, which is a Wolfman story with Alice Cooper. Sick! So. Sick! <laughs> I haven't seen Bride, but I have seen Monster Dog okay, because yeah. I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan. There so I'm go. just like, somebody's <laughs> reviewing it. I'm so happy. So we've all seen the least good movie. I guess so. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's one of those deals where, like, you know, like Alice Cooper was like a huge part of my childhood. So, yeah. like, anything he's in, like, I'm just right. like, yes. I gotcha. All right. <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, but this, but this week we watched a, a, a wrestling event yeah. that was actually really good. This is unusual to be talking about, yeah. but good WWE wrestling. Holy had nothing fuck! To do with it? Yeah, surprisingly, WWE was not involved in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> how much? How much blood has been spilled? A lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, that's all I care about. I. I it seemed that with this pay per view, they're uh, double or nothing AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like an intentional effort to offer a little bit of everything that the WWE doesn't do anymore. Yes, and they made that like front and center because yeah. that opening battle royale, people are just sticking up middle fingers at the camera. Well, and then for yeah. some reason, one guy lit up a cigarette in the middle of the ring. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was pretty weak. I thought it the was. Match. It was by far the weakest. But that match. was like the pre-show. But yeah. there was like right out of the gate, like there's a guy with. Out legs. Yeah, one of the wrestlers just had no legs. That what was something. One of the wrestlers was a lady boy or something? something I, don't I don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen that wrestling. So, like, when you say he was lighting up a cigarette in the ring, like, was it before or after? No, it was during. 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because I was going to yeah. say, if it's like a, like a cigarettes after sex kind of thing. No, 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 no. He just lit up a cigarette in the middle of uh, the match, and then somebody burned him in the forehead with it or something. <laughs> Which Same. <so>. Same, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but I think the the highlight, or the, the, the match that I appreciated the most mm-hmm. was probably uh, the Rhodes Brothers. Yes, that was insane. Because there was a lot of, I mean, I thought the match was good, uh, but also, like, there was a lot of, like emotions and weight surrounding it, mm-hmm. you know, and they could have done it in a way that, you know, if this was, you know, quote, wrestling, and yeah. they were their characters, we wouldn't necessarily know that they're brothers. And, right, right. You know, but uh, to know that and to watch them perform on this promotion that they're kind of doing on their own, mm-hmm. I mean, they have help from other wrestlers and financial backers, but it's a big, bold move to strike out to do something other than 
WWE, mm-hmm. and I th- I was just thinking how like proud their father must have would have right. been, or yeah. you know what I mean. So, uh-huh. and it was flagrantly not WWE with the copious amounts of blood. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, Dustin Rhodes That's cut crazy. himself deep, not as deep as I thought because like he was just dripping blood, but like I think most of it was sweat. That could have been yeah. It wasn't like an Eddie Guerrero situation where there, it was like spurting. Like, yeah. it, was, it wasn't that bad, but. By the end, the the, the ring it mat looked like a, the set of a horror movie. So, see, um. <laughs> I wish I watched it for that reason. Because I've said before, like I don't really follow wrestling, mm-hmm. but certain aspects of it appeal to me. Yeah. Um, the fact that somebody actually bled. I oh like yeah. That. Well, it used to happen all the time, but then in WWE they decided that they wanted to appeal more to families. So right. They yeah. had a strict no blood rule, which doesn't work out because people are like falling off chairs and shit it's gonna like sometimes it happens yeah it's gonna happen but when it does happen they stop the match and like a ref comes in with gloves on and like patches them up and everything and then they start the match over at least they're wearing gloves yeah but it's kind of (laughs) lame i just want to see blood everywhere like i want to see people's bloods mixing like bloods (laughs) i want to see people's blood mixing i want to see like arms fall off like teeth fly out yeah right You want to see Thunderdome. I do. Like Thunderdome Fight Club kind of shit. Like the scene in Fight Club towards the middle with Angel Face. Like, that's what I want to see in a fight. Well, you you don't get that in wrestling. (laughs) I'm just kind of like, damn it. But... But yeah, good show. Good show overall. Yeah. We were really nervous that that Sold opening battle royale, minutes. we were like, oh no. Is um. it going to be? Yeah. Because there are like a lot of new faces and stuff. They're mm-hmm. positioning the company to have their own weekly show also. I don't want them to take on too much to be no. like the WWE. Yes. Mm-hmm. If they're still small, but delivering really well, like mm-hmm. their matches and whatever. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I care less about the story. Yeah, I, I'm more in, in the fact that there's this newer promotion that's pulling people from Japan and all these different right. places. Some of them I don't know who they are. I've never seen them wrestle before. Right. And so like I'm in it just for that. Right. I mean I'm like half and half because I I do like the story just because I more appreciate the camp elements of wrestling. So and I I do like that the bad guys were like really bad guys. Yeah. Like one guy, uh, like surprise, surprise. Started kicking the guy with no legs. Yeah. Like, well, one guy started attacking the guy with no legs, so he was automatically the bad guy. Right. Like you can't get worse than that. Um, but then the other guy, when... like if he had a puppy and he also kicked that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then the other guy, when surprisingly, I didn't expect this, Bret Hart showed up to introduce yeah, I the didn't, new belt. I didn't see that and then a guy came and started trash talking. He mentioned Bret getting tackled at the, uh, the fucking Hall of Fame uh, yeah. ceremony or whatever. That's an automatic bad guy thing. That's and it's like, great. like classic old heat. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. be a prick. <laughs> we don't get that in WWE. No. Wasn't so. there a guy recently who had like a heart attack or something? Everybody's having heart attacks. <laughs> um, I probably, I, like, I don't remember uh, super recently, but it happens a lot, unfortunately. Cause, cause Especially like, older guys. Yeah, because yeah, I, I heard somewhere and I thought it was somebody we've mentioned before and I'm like hey we just talked about this guy uh, he maybe. had other health issues and he had another heart attack or something like that <laughs> uh, maybe so I, like, I haven't heard anything about Dick Chady? <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> I haven't talked about him in a while <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway yeah it was, it was a good show uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing any any other like events they do and everything um, but besides that yeah. I went and saw the movie Brightburn how uh, okay. was it? Which was, I thought it was, I knew it wasn't James Gunn directed, but I thought it was James Gunn written, but it was actually written by his brother. He was just oh, the producer. Okay. 
Uh, it was all right. It had a really <laughs> okay. interesting story. The story is... The Superman story is kind of horrifying when you think about it. Uh, yeah. A childless couple in a farm town in Kansas finds a baby in a downed spaceship and decides to raise him as their own. And he just happens to be, like, the best person ever. But what if he was a fucking psychopath and also right. had these powers? And the result is it's a depressing, miserable, dismal experience, which I can't... <laughs> cool. Be, I can't begrudge the film because that's what they were going for. Right. Yeah. But, like, it was giving me legit anxiety because he's fucking Superman. Like, there's right. nothing you could do to stop him, you know? And he essentially, like, he's gonna... He's, he's the kid who's like, I'm not gonna clean my room. You know, make me a motherfucker. And usually that kid, you know, you just give All him right. a smack and there well, you no go. No more breastfeeding for you. Yeah, but no, when the kid is literally like a god walking the earth, he right. can just do whatever he wants. And it was horrifying. So... I guess I guess I got to credit it for that, although it wasn't a fun thing to watch in the theaters. Um, the biggest problem was I kind of wish that James Gunn was directing it because yeah. the directing's a little sloppy. There's some kind of bad editing in it, um, and the acting's really over the top, which I'm like half and half on because I know that it's kind of like a comic book story, so everything should be kind of heightened. But um, mm -hmm. a lot of people might complain about that, so I don't know. But um, overall, it was all right. I don't think I ever want to watch it again because, like I said, it was just miserable. <laughs> I've, you know, I like that kind of thing, like the dark, you know, okay. superhero kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But the only thing that was detracting me from seeing it was that, like, I had this feeling like I've seen this story before. I mean, it, it literally is the Superman story. Yeah, it's um, the <laughs> that and various monster movies. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. like, w for instance, there's a Marvel character called Moon Knight. Okay. And mm. he is essentially a darker, if you can make it darker, version of Batman. <laughs> yeah. Where oh, he kind of also suffers from a personality disorder. Oh, Like okay. a split personality disorder. So I thought, like, maybe they were, like, taking pieces from that. I've only seen the trailers. Maybe. Um, I know that the movie's heavily inspired by comic books, obviously. I even like, like, they're, they're the Briar family. And when they find this kid, they name him Brandon. So it's Brandon Breyer. I was like, ah, oh, nice little Stan Lee reference. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give everybody the same letters of their first name as their last right, name. Right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like little things like that were all right. Um, but just overall, it, it was a really great concept with not a so great execution. So right. It's kind of there, you know. <laughs> but it was dismal. I, I, it's it's a movie experience <laughs> that I can say I did not enjoy at all. I enjoy dismal. <laughs> okay, um, so usually it's up I there with like irreversible and uh, maybe not that dismal. <laughs> <'Cause it's>, uh, <laughs> see, my issue is like I could watch like 120 Days of Sodom. Yeah. or you know, like because poop's funny, right? <laughs> right? Not not for that reason, but right, like films that are like you know meant to be like it's hard to watch right like i seek out movies like that to see if i can sit through it and okay. nine times out of ten i can so yeah. i'm concerned by that <laughs> i guess that's my thing see i can i can handle dismal when it's making a point which sallow definitely is i mean john mm -hmm. waters said the best thing about you when he called it, it's about the pornography of power yeah uh, and i get i suppose brightburn kind of is too but it's not really about that it's more it's a strange it's, comparison those yeah two it's, it's more just about I want. I almost wanted to say it was like an inversion of the su of the, the superhero story, and like, what if mm -hmm. this like these stories are more horrifying than they seem? 
And it kind of is that, but I don't feel like it went far enough. So when it's, when it's just, like, dismal for the sake of dismal, I don't enjoy it. If it's dismal and, like, making some kind of a point, then I like it. Uh, and I, I, that's why I, I, that's why I feel like I didn't enjoy Brightburn, because I didn't th- think it was making any kind of point. It's just violence and sadism. And it's like, well, this is what would really happen if Superman <laughs> existed. And I was like, well, I hope not. Like, <laughs> Yeah, um, I I I would I've only seen the trailers, like mm-hmm. I said, but like watching the trailers, I was like, you know, I honestly don't know how to feel. Okay. Because you know, I like superheroes mm-hmm. and stuff, and I like horror. Like those yeah. t- those are two of my favorite things. Right. But like the whole time, I was like, I've seen this before. Right. So I was like, if if they're gonna bring something new to it, cool, mm. that's fine. But. From what you're telling me, I don't think... Yeah, it kind of made me sad, and not, like, in the sense of the story, just in the the cynicism of it, because Superman was created in the height of the Great Depression. He was kind of like a uh, a champion of the people, originally. Like, he was yeah. a person who stood up for truth and justice in the American way. <laughs> and I hate that, like, those ideals are now considered old-fashioned. Right. I mean, the two superheroes that, like, studio is considered... Uh, risky to make because people wouldn't identify with them were Superman and Captain America who were like the two mm-hmm. most like upstanding like noble heroes you could think of and it's like really? Yeah. So like to take it like because I mean you know we're not as bad as the Great Depression but we got our problems and everything yeah. but I just feel like the, the mentality is so much more cynical so it's almost like yeah. a we refuse to believe that someone could be this good, you know, so we're just going to make them completely evil. Because nowadays, uh, <laughs> you know, both on both sides, conservative and liberal, yeah, <laughs> everyone's just so happy to hate the country. Exactly. Because it's too much of the other thing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, yeah, if you had someone representing America, no matter what you did, right. everyone would hate it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So that that's I think that's like the big reason why it just made me miserable. We, we are actually now in like the opposite of Frank Miller's uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns, <laughs> yeah, where right. Super, Superman's like the mm-hmm. the American hero, right? Right. <laughs> Except he's you know now, an alien. Yeah. Whenever somebody yeah, right. was like this unceasingly good, like in the back of the mind, I was like, what is he really about? You know, like what is he hiding? Yeah. <laughs> See, back in the day, we could have built a wall tall enough to keep him out, but now he just flies instead of. Leaps tall buildings. Yeah, like like I mentioned last episode, like painting it black and adding spikes and shit. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That was a so. whole like news article, but I'm not gonna get political. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, I I'd recommend uh, checking it out just as like a curiosity because it is, it is a really interesting concept. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about movies that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, Rocket Man is my top priority. Oh, yeah? <laughs> um, anybody who knows me knows that Elton John is huge for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm super excited to see what they do with it because Elton John said, um, there's, the, like, I'm, you know, paraphrasing, but he mm-hmm. said, like, they wanted to make my story PG-13, but I didn't make, I didn't live a PG-13 right. life. I was yeah. going to say, I saw that rating and I was like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit on board on this one. <laughs> I've mentioned before, like, I liked Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. but there were some things changed that I wasn't okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still an okay movie, you know. But, I respectfully disagree, but <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, that was a fun argument at Drunk <laughs> Um, but anyways, I'm excited to see what they do with Rocket Man because it's mm-hmm. not a biopic. 
Okay, it's, yeah. It's like a fantasy kind of story. I like that. Yeah, yeah the tagline was based on a true fantasy. And I'm just and like, like, fuck yeah. That, that intrigues me <laughs> a so, little bit. So. <laughs> um, I'm going to see that opening night. Cool. Um, the other thing I did over the weekend, which is kind of related, kind of not, mm-hmm. um, I've been down a rabbit hole again <laughs> okay. where I've been trying to seek out the movies of Chesty Morgan. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I don't know what made me do that. <laughs> but, um, you know. It's I, hard to resist. Yeah. Because, like, as a woman, like, yeah. Like more power to her. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, doesn't your back hurt like all the time? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> like 73 inch bust measurement. Oh my God, that's insane. <laughs> so I watched Deadly Weapons for like the second time in my life. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something. <laughs> all right. So that's what I've been doing. All right. It's funny you mentioned Rocket Man, and for a second I forgot what that was. I'm like, they're remaking it? Oh, that's Rocketeer, and I'm no. an idiot. You can never remake the Rocketeer like, oh, yeah, because movie. you can't mess with perfection. But yeah, um, I, I'm going to butcher his name, but Taron uh, Edgerton, I think I think you got you it. it, yeah. Did I? I mm-hmm. um, I liked him in uh, the Kingsman movies. Oh, okay. That's um, right. And I was, I was like, you know, because they were like talking about making an Elton John movie for a while. Yeah. And I was, I had very hostile opinions toward it. Because I was like, how can you make right. a movie about Elton John? Because nobody can be Elton right. John besides Elton John. So I was just like, when when they announced that they were doing that, and it's not a biopic, mm-hmm. and Taron Edgerton is playing him, I'm like, I'm okay with it now. All right. I'm cool with it. And um, I bought the soundtrack, because um, oh. at Target, they had a version that had... Um, two extra songs that weren't on the actual release. Oh, okay. So I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) And I've been holding off listening to it because I want to see the movie first. Mm. But all of the songs are sung by Taron Edgerton. And he sounds pretty close. Nice. All right. But not close enough to sound exactly the same. Right. Okay, cool. So I'm super excited about that. Sweet. Totally not... You wouldn't expect that from me, but I'm super excited. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're a big music person, so I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, mm-hmm. now that I'm about to say what I did, I feel like I made a mistake by covering Monster Dog. Oh, no. Because I watched oh, no. the uh, season finale of Last Drive-In. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the two movies were Blood Harvest and Prom Night 2. Blood Harvest is awful, and that should have been the movie that I reviewed because it stars Tiny Tim... Oh my god! <laughs> I love Tiny Tim. That movie, it was tough. I was texting Doctor Bork, and we were kind of like sort of watching it together. Yeah. Through space and time or whatever, and at one point I'm just like, I, I gotta go pour myself a drink. <laughs> Prom and Night I, Two is one of my favorites. Though. Yeah, that was pretty good, and yeah. it was actually fun the way they ended it. It was a. Uh, um, Darcy the male girl, you know, came up in conversation mm-hmm. in conversation, you know. Right. Like, yeah. like it was totally spontaneous. Yeah. That she had never been to prom. And <laughs> so her cosplay was Mary Lou. And at the end there was a, a dance number where like the crew came out in front of the camera. Oh, that's and, cool. You know, so that was like the, the send off of the season. Cool. And I don't got, know when the second one's gonna start. Yeah, but. so it got renewed for a second season, so that's yeah. cool. Um nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, uh my show that I've been watching, um What We Do in the Shadows, yeah. that has been renewed for a second season cool. and I'm so excited. Last week's episode 
it was hysterical. Like, I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard and I almost threw up. But, like, <laughs> you know, vampires and their orgies. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. And, like, the one of the main vampires, his familiar is, like, super concerned. Because <laughs> he has to yeah. find virgins, uh-huh. you know? And he's That's just, tough nowadays. Yep. Yeah, and it was just... The way the whole episode was executed, it was hilarious. Okay. <laughs> so if any of our viewers uh, haven't seen that yet, I highly recommend that show. Cool. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I uh, didn't really get Gravity News. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and this past week, there hadn't been any deaths. Although Doris Day... Doris Day? Yeah, she did. Oh, yes. yeah. She's like one of the last... like. Actresses from like the the gold age, Hollywood. Yeah, it's weird to think of, but that was like with the um, actresses and actors that have been passing away from that era. That one kind of got me a little bit because I really like her. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just her films are really uh, Calamity Jane. Sure, yeah. I really like it, Mm -hmm. Um, and it just kind of made me sad. (laughs) So I'm just kind of (laughs) like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Why? Yeah, (laughs) I gotcha. I yeah. like right. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I saw there were a lot of uh, clips and interviews and stuff right. involving her, like on YouTube and stuff. Right. And then right. they were uploaded recently where everyone was watching them. Trent didn't get all that crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bandwagon fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interview with Robert Osborne on Turner Classic mm-hmm. Movies. Well, now they're both. Now gone. they're both. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that makes me sad, too, because I watched his interviews and stuff religiously oh sure yeah um now it's that ben mankowitz which yep. he's okay he's fine i, I like i don't ben mind mankowitz. him but the, the red-headed woman i forget oh alicia name. malone i love her yeah she's so great uh she used to work for um uh screen junkies that, yeah. that youtube channel and she was so like above, above everyone else. else because like yeah. yeah they were only talking about like Star Wars movies and Marvel movies <laughs> and like she would mention some like classic film from the early 60s or whatever so I'm so happy that she was I... one of the uh people for Filmstruck, but that doesn't exist anymore so yeah now that she uh works with Turner Classic I movies, like her awesome. stuff a lot too mm-hmm. um I'm also super gay for her, so, you know, there's that. But, you know, I just... (laughs) That was what I said when I first saw her on Screen Junkies, and she's, like, name-dropping all these, like, classic films. I was like, who the hell is this woman, and why why isn't she my girlfriend? (laughs) Yeah, she's she's wonderful. Yeah, so... Like, um... Like, sometimes I catch myself missing what she's saying. Yeah. Just because I'm just like, oh. <laughs> oh my god. I, I don't judge because I do the same thing. <laughs> I do the same thing watching David Muir give the news. Oh, yeah. Like, it could be. I, I have a thing for men in suits. So I'm just kind of like, oh my god. I couldn't care less what Walter you're saying. Left an impact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Especially really to Dale Cooper. Yeah. yeah. You're. you're <laughs> Don't at me like that. Figured you out. <laughs> you figured me out. But it's I'm funny just... you say that because I have, I have the exact same thing for women in suits. So. <laughs> I'm just like Dana Scully. Yeah. Wink. But yeah, like, oh, she's great. Like, and what she has to say, like, mm-hmm. the fact that she's hot set aside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, she has a lot of really, like... Yes intelligent things to say mm-hmm. whereas i felt like a lot of the other hosts were kind of pretentious and okay. she's kind of not yeah she's a lot more down to she's earth a, yeah um, um so. 
which, you know, like pretentiousness kind of takes me out of things. Gotcha. <laughs> so I'm just like, I can be, but I make it a point to try not to be because okay. I don't like pretentious people. <laughs> I, I understand. Yeah. But she like what she has to say about film and things is really refreshing. And I'm just like, we need more women who can, mm -hmm. you know, do things like that. I agree. And anyways, that is my swan song to her. Cool. All right. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so. Bride? A, yeah. The Bride Hell from 1985. Yeah. Um, directed by Frank Rodham. This was his third movie. Um, and then after this, he kind of dropped out the face of the earth. He made uh, the compilation film Aria, which was um, 10 short movies, all based on a different Aria by a classical composer. So... That's a thing. That's different. Uh, and then he made K2, the movie about climbing the second highest peak in the world. Speaking of uh, fan gushes, uh, starring my personal man crush, Michael Bean. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, that movie was a big flop, and I guess it kind of killed his career. Because after that, he only made two TV movies. He made... The Moby Dick adaptation with mm -hmm. Patrick Stewart as Captain Ahab. Hell okay. yeah. And then he made the 1999 Cleopatra movie, and then that was it for him. Seems like every, every movie he made was kind of a financial disaster, and The Bride is no different. So... <laughs> he desired something beyond love. I might make the new woman, Clavel, independent, free, and a fit companion for... The genius of Frankenstein. He created something beyond woman. Beautiful. Where did I come from? She'll break a few hearts, will she not? Who is she, Charles? What is she? Obey me. I will not obey you. You didn't create me. You didn't create me. As a matter of fact, I did. Sting. Jennifer Beals. The Bride. This film, uh, it's called a remake of Bride of Frankenstein, but I don't consider that it's, if anything, it's a sequel. Because it literally begins at the end of Bride of Frankenstein. Oh. We see, um, Doc, he's called Dr. Charles Frankenstein, more huh. on that later, played by Sting. Hell uh, yeah. Him and... He's, he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> him and the monster, played by Clancy Brown. Uh, are working together to make a bride for the monster, essentially. So, with... Mr. Krabs is the Igor character? Yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> I love that. So... That is so sick. Or wait, no, is Clancy Brown Mr. Cl Mr. Krabs? Yeah. No, no, he's the monster. <laughs> That's even better! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, we, we, we don't get to know who the Igor character is, because he has a hunchback and a fellow doctor working, like, in Bride of Frankenstein, but we don't see them for very long. So, um... That's... that's... Yeah. Ah, oh, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. So they do the classic, you know, raise the the bride up to the the heavens to get struck by lightning and right. everything, and she starts to come to life. They bring her down, uh, and we expect, you know, the the crazy pale woman with the giant hair and everything. But mm -hmm. instead, 
She's kind of hot. <laughs> we see the bride played but by. But also, Lanchester is really hot. No, she is. Yeah. But I, I mean, like, I mean, like traditional movie hot gotcha. there, but, yeah. but uh, uh, the bride played by Jennifer Beals, uh, fresh off of her flash dance success. Oh. Um, and the doctor, like, you can see it in Sting's face. He kind of like looks because like he expected her to be a hideous creation, like the monster. And he's like, you know, essentially in his mind, he's like, um, my, my goal was to create the perfect being. I created this abomination instead. Then he asked me to make a, a mate. And now I kind of accidentally did create the perfect being. But the monster's like, she's mine. He like grabs her by the arm and everything. And in classic Bride of Frankenstein. We're trying to cock block me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in classic Bride of Frankenstein tradition. We she belong screams, dead. Yeah, she screams and runs off. And Dr. Frankenstein says, you know, that's no way to treat a lady. Get out of here and everything. And she sort of like cuddles up with him. And the monster freaks out, destroys the castle and everything, uh, killing the fellow doctor and the hunchback, which is why I didn't really bring them up all that much. Um, But Dr. Frankenstein and the bride both escape and he goes back to, you know, his estate and everything. And now he says, essentially, like, I've done it. I've created life and uh, I can... I can essentially, you know, raise this woman to be, like, the perfect woman, to be somebody, like, unfettered by, you know, the constraints of our society, by the, the rules of gender and everything. He essentially wants, you know, a woman to be, like, a fresh start, essentially, where gotcha. there's going to be no biases or bigotry. More on that later. But uh, <laughs> first, we're going to follow the monster for a while, because the monster escaped <laughs> from the destroying castle and is now running off, and uh, he finds a little person being harassed by some kids. So being big and scary, he scares off those children and instantly befriends the little dwarf, whose name is Ronaldo, played by David Rappaport. And he tells the monster, he at first asks him, what's his name? He says, no name. It's like, oh, incognito, I get it, you're on the run. Well, gotcha. it's okay, because gotcha, so gotcha. am I. You know? Yeah, <laughs> sounds like, good. <laughs> he's uh, heading to Budapest because he wants to join the circus. And he tells the monster... You'd be perfect in the circus. You know, a strong man, a stagecoach driver. They could use somebody like you for anything. So they just wander the streets on their way to Budapest and, um, you know, go to go to taverns where initially they're not going to serve a dwarf because they're all bigots. But then right. he's got a big, strong bodyguard guy. So they're <laughs> going to serve him anything that they want. <laughs> well. Um, and also... How have I not seen this? Yeah, also uh, robbing the church, because why not? Uh, <laughs> the monster puts little Ronaldo in a, in a sack and uh, turns and talks to the priest about, you know, he wants food. And the priest's like, now what would what would this church be like if I gave every poor beggar food, you know, right out right there? You <laughs> wouldn't work a church? day in your life or something, you know, but while he's talking, Ronaldo cuts a <laughs> hole in the bag and starts, like, mm-hmm. stealing money out of the, uh, the collection box or whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> um... So they make all this money to head down to Budapest and join the circus. Um, Ronaldo says his act is he's a trapeze guy, but his thing is he's sort of like a, a comical trapeze guy. He pretends he's like falling, and then at one point he's like, "Oh, I can't hold on anymore!" Ah, and then falls, but he's got a rope tied behind him, so okay. he doesn't actually fall. Um, and this the carnival guy is basically like, "Yeah, I've seen it, but whatever." <laughs> Your friend over there is big and strong, and he can he can drive tent spikes. So I guess I'll hire you one salary. You get split it between the two of you. <laughs> you know? uh, meanwhile, uh, Doctor Frankenstein has been essentially teaching the bride uh, the ways of the world and everything. Gives her a name. He names her after the first woman. So her name is Eva. Um, and uh, with the help of uh, Mrs. Bauman, his like. Um, uh, servant or whatever, they're teaching her how to be a proper lady. You know how to. Uh, Mrs. Bell movement is teaching her how to be a proper lady. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How to, um, 
you know, uh, read and socialize and ride horses. Uh, only side saddle, though, because she's got to protect her purity. I like that little thing. It's that, that like, Frankenstein's uh, uh, intentions are more sinister than it seems because, yeah, he makes her ride a horse side saddle. So, <laughs> But, yeah, she essentially becomes, Damn. you know, a very articulate and educated person. To the point where he like wants to introduce her to high society, so he takes her to some party, but she ruins it all because she sees a cat and starts like hissing at it like a monster. <laughs> um, and also, she attracts the attention of a captain of the army named Yosef, played by Carrie Elways, and uh, she's instantly smitten by him, uh, very much pissing off uh, Mr. Frankenstein because he's like, "What the hell? I didn't, I didn't make you for that." I made you to be with nice guys like me. <laughs> I didn't make him for you. Yeah. He doesn't actually say that, but he gets kind of pissed off yeah, about it. But it has like a Frankenfurter moment. Yeah, right. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the circus, um, <laughs> Ronaldo and the monster, who, by the way, he decides since they're friends, he wants to give him a name. He names him Victor. Okay. <laughs> because okay. Says, you know, the, name, the name means... Um, you know, the one who will win. And he said, you eventually will win because Victor tells Ronaldo about the story about his lady trouble. Basically says, you know, she hates me. She run off. And he's like, well, it sounds like you gave up too early. And, you know, once we, you know, become successful in the circus, we're going to make lots of money. You're going to come back and you're going to win your lady, essentially. Right. Uh, meanwhile, um, it's kind of implied, although this is like the weakest part, that Victor and Eva have like a psychic connection. Because at one point, Eva, like, is spinning around, just, like, enjoying life, and the monster gets dizzy as a result. And then at another point, the monster gets drunk, and Eva kind of, like, gets tipsy also. So they've got some sort of psychic connection, but it's not important. So that's I just wanted to bring it up because it seems like it's going to be a big deal, but it's not really. Huh. <laughs> they so, did this thing, but didn't do anything yeah. else to, you know, make the thing yeah. a thing. So uh, Victor and Ronaldo have... Uh, perfected their act essentially one time victor saw ronaldo doing his thing and thought he was really falling so like panicked and tried to like get him and everything and the crowd loved it so now ronaldo you know does his trapeze act and victor dresses a woman is like oh no my baby my baby <laughs> okay. and the crowd loves it so as a result ronaldo you know demands more money yeah because they're bringing in the crowds and uh the circus director and his like scheming underling or whatever don't like this and they're like yeah. if that's it was just that simpleton we could pay him peanuts it's that damn dwarf we gotta take care of him and his underling is like i'll take care of him and then <laughs> proceeds to cut his rope a little bit so oh, the no. next time they have an act uh he actually falls and we have a nice little dramatic scene where you know, the monster's holding him as he's dying in his arms and says you know, don't worry. You're gonna you're gonna do good things. It's all in your heart. And the monster's like, I have no heart. It's like, yes, you do. I know you do. I put it in there. No, he's like because it's breaking. And I was like, oh. oh <laughs> so it's but, like a like a Wizard of Oz kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like but uh, yeah, Ronaldo dies, and then the monster. You know, he uh, Ronaldo essentially tells him where he's been hiding the money because obviously the circus guys are coming for the money. So the uh, Victor gets all of it, but on his way out. He overhears the director and his underling talking in the their like cabin or whatever, saying like, "I said I wanted Ronaldo taken care of. I didn't want him killed." And 
Hunter Leslie, what? <laughs> that takes care of him, right? And the monster freaks out, uh, picks up um, the underling and throws him at a lion's cage where the cage has <laughs> a bunch of, like, spikes to uh, stop the lion from escaping. Oh. Mm-hmm. Guess what happens there? <laughs> so, yeah, he kills the evil underling and then storms off, um, manages to find his way back to... They never say what's, what town... Uh, Frankenstein's in. I'm assuming it's Transylvania because why I mean, the hell not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would most li- it most likely would be. Yeah, but yeah, uh, he gets there. Meanwhile, uh, Frankenstein has been you know bringing Eva to more you know, fancy balls and events and everything, and she's been going after Yosef because she's got the hots for him. Yeah, uh, they sneak away somewhere to a um, like an upstairs area where there's no lights and nobody's watching where you just see lots of people fooling around up there which I guess what they did back then uh, Frankenstein finds her with Yosef and gets all pissed off and um, you know tells her you know this isn't what I made you for da, 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 all this stuff and everything and Yosef's like whatever you can take her I, I don't really care about her and Eva's like what? and he's like she came on to me with all this force you know and I, I, I was up to the challenge I am a man after all <laughs> So yes, Gross. nobody actually loves her. <laughs> Today that would be hold my beer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, Eva's heartbroken by this, and uh, Charles Frankenstein essentially tells her, you know, it's all right because you know I created you to be the perfect woman, and now you're going to be my bride. And she essentially says, no, <laughs> you you will never have me. I don't care if you, you know, kill me and resurrect me a thousand times. You will never have me. And Frankenstein's like, oh, really? We'll see about that. <laughs> so Frankenstein's also rapey. Yes, yeah. Uh, gotcha. But meanwhile... The monster, Victor, unfortunately, when he comes back to town, he just happens to be there when the circus is in town. Oh, boy. Uh, They spot him, say, hey, he's the guy who killed one of our people or whatever. Get together those good old angry villagers to uh, capture the monster and lock him up in the dungeon. But uh, fortunately, um, again, this is the only time their psychic thing comes in handy. Uh, Victor can sense that Eva's in danger, being, you know, stalked and pursued by rapist Frankenstein uh, freaks out uses his monster strength to break his chains and storms to Dr. Frankenstein's castle where we have the the big fight between Frankenstein and the monster which doesn't go very well for poor Sting who gets uh, thrown (coughs) out of the the castle and everything well yep and then Victor rescues Eva and she realizes that He's the one who really loves her, and they they run off together. They go to Venice because uh, Ronaldo mentioned one time that you know he dreamed of going to Venice, so they fulfilled that dream and live happily ever after. That's kind of uh, cute. Yeah, I, I kind of like this movie because um, it's not a horror movie; it's more of like a fairy tale, mm-hmm. and yeah. it gives the monster a happy ending, which you never get to see. He always gets chased by angry villagers and killed, or he kills right. himself or something, you know. Right. He finally gets his lady. I, I like that. <laughs> um, it, it has a lot of... It, it feels kind of like a Hammer film in that the way it's shot and everything. But um, I like the, the references to the old Universal movie, by which I mean the tone and like the, the melodrama of it all. Mm-hmm. It's a very melodramatic film, and the acting is very, very over the top. 
And I think that was intentional. I guess that was what, one of the reasons this movie got such negative reviews. Like, Jennifer Beals got nominated for a Raspberry for this movie. Interesting. Uh, and she's not great, but I think I get what, she's, what they're going for with her character. Because everything is so heightened which is what it all was in the 30s, but in the yeah. 80s, I don't think that was like recognized yeah. as much. But I liked it, because it kind of like gave it that James Whale camp factor, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I didn't mention too much, but I'm going to mention now, uh, the director called this a more feminist take on the, uh, the Bride of Frankenstein story, which I get where they're coming from with this, because essentially, Frankenstein wants to make the monster, or make the, the bride without any, like gender constrictions mm -hmm. but they just exist because this is the society he grew up in so right to make a perfect woman he had to have a dead woman bring yeah. her back to life and then he got to dictate yeah so, so it's he... like you're free to do whatever you want as, as long, long as, as I say yeah, it, you know right. um, and the thing is he like starts to get intimidated by her because she starts going after Yosef mm -hmm. and she asks him like you know, how come you say that men can do what they want and that men, you know, if they want something, they can take it. Why can't women do the same thing? And he does the classic, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts getting, you know, intimidated by the fact that she's smarter than him. Like at one point he starts Most talking. Most men are. Yeah. Like at one point he starts talking about Prometheus Unbound by John Keats. Mm. And she's like, no, it's by Shelley. And he's like, John Keats was the writer. And she like walks over, grabs the book and is like. Prometheus Unbound by Percy Shelley. It's right here. And he just takes the book and throws it in the fire. <laughs> and his friend Clairval says... How dare you? Yeah, his friend Clairval says, that's the problem with free women. They have the freedom to despise us. That's why I don't like them or something like that. But, but he was like blatantly oh wrong though. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's kind of an interesting I idea. I kind of choked when you said it's not by... I was like, it's not John Keats. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like... Ugh. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's kind of an interesting idea. The idea that his, his dream was to make this like completely free woman, but then he did, and he didn't like it. So we're like, it's kind of an inversion of the Frankenstein. He wanted to make a perfect human, made an abomination, and sort of rejected it. And now he made the perfect human, but doesn't like that she's more perfect than he is. So either way, he loses. And uh, if it, she were really perfect, she would have accepted him for his imperfect. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then we've got Carrie Elway's character who's barely in it, but he makes an impression just as like this completely uh, rakish rastabout, you know, as, as they would say in the Times. He, yeah. She li she likes him, but he just likes what she can do for him, essentially. And then we got the monster, Victor, who's the only one who really loves her. And they're the, they're the ones who go off happily. And I like it. So uh, th this movie was like savage when it came out, and it uh, was, like I said, a big financial flop. Um but I kind of hope it gets rediscovered because I think there's more to it than that. It's a mm -hmm. nice little um, homage to both the Hammer films and the Universal films. I like and that they got, have that. Yeah, yeah. and it's I... got a nice little fairy tale quality to it. So I ended up giving it three and a half stars. I really enjoyed this movie. Mm -hmm. So yeah, <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen it, but like the way you've described it to me, I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's um, good. <laughs> I like weird things but I'm not the biggest Sting fan so I'm just kind of like yeah a couple times I wanted to make like a Sting joke but I couldn't for the life of me think of any of it yeah, <laughs> um, my mom she, if my mom she's a very like huge music person mm -hmm. but like she said on multiple occasions god I hate Sting <laughs> and I'm just like like anytime the police are on the mm -hmm. um, um, 
the, the radio she's like oh, i can't do this and then she like changes <laughs> i it. thought of one yeah police songs again. when when eva rejects him you could have said you know every breath you take oh. every step you make i'll be watching <laughs> ew but like it's one of those things <laughs> like I, I can kind of back my mom up a little bit mm-hmm. on it because some of his music is kind of not great. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind the police. I don't think I'd give a shit about any of his solo any of the solo stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, the the monster could have turned to Doctor Frankenstein and been like, "Don't stand so close to me." Yeah. People are gonna <laughs> think we're together, and we're definitely not. I. I have the same issue with Rod Stewart. Like oh, yeah. some of his Sting's music, some of it just kind of like it's meant to be sexy, but I think it's gross. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, well, I gotcha. Rod Stewart puts cocaine up his butt, and what's more sexy than that? <laughs> well, <laughs> on that note, um, I would recommend seeing Sting in this because he's the villain, and he kind of does that. <laughs> trying to be romantic but is really just a creep so (laughs) if that's how you feel about Sting's music this might work for you (laughs) yeah I I I have some issues okay well he's he's a great bad guy and Clancy Brown is a pretty good monster too so those two but I the real the real standout I think is um, David Rappaport as Ronaldo because he's just got uh, him I would watch an entire movie with just the monster and his little dwarf friend becoming like a circus couple (laughs) that would have been adorable but uh, following the monster's career in the circus I would have watched that (laughs) yeah so on to know your horror yes yeah last week's question was in honor of the late Stan Friedman the uh, physicist UFO expert or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, who passed what 1980 sci-fi film starring the Night Stalker's Darren McGavin is about a crashed UFO that uh, is hidden in a United States airplane hangar? I do not know. Mm-mm. Hangar 18. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> of course, nobody. <laughs> big enough All right, I'm not familiar with that. Oh my. Film. Not me neither. <laughs> uh, the UFO in this movie crashes when it collides with a satellite being launched over America. Then the government are like. Alien stuff. We gotta hide it. <laughs> and then conspiracy theories were just, you know, cool. And we managed to get another movie. another music reference out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, how so about that? Th- th- this week's question, I guess here's another music reference. Mm-hmm. What heavy metal front man appears in the 2001 anthology film Cradle of Fear? <laughs> <laughs> if you know it, it'll be painfully obvious. Yeah. I, I know what it is. <laughs> I know exactly what it is. I was listening to this particular band on the way here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so, the hunger. The hunger. Um, this movie's great. Cool. Um, <laughs> so, Tony Scott. This is his first film, and it's completely wow. different from all of his other films. Okay. Completely the fuck different. So, like. The vampires don't play shirtless volleyball. Ugh. <laughs> um, I think. I, I can't stand Tom Cruise, so I'm just kind of like, that's going to be out there. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, his other movies include True Romance, Top mm-hmm. Gun, Enemy of the State, movies like that. And The Hunger is his first, okay. which it's, I've only seen, I've seen Top Gun, which mm-hmm. of course. against my will. The sweatiest movie in America. <laughs> the yeah. sweatiest movie ever. <laughs> that 
it's it's just okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna get a lot of backlash for that. It hasn't aged well. No, not for me. I don't even know that it was that good back then. No, I I find that movie boring as shit. So you're not getting any uh, backlash from us. It's like a cultural staple, but it's like kind of awkward. Yeah. Is everyone gay or aren't they gay? They're totally gay, right? (laughs) Most of it is Tom Cruise's fault. I can't stand him. Yeah. Okay. Kind of crazy. I like him better now than back then. Right. Back then, it's tough to watch. I like one movie he's in, and it's Legend. So, (laughs) speaking of the Scots, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yep. So, like I mentioned, this is Tony Scott's first film. Mm -hmm. It's it's classified as an erotic horror film. Oh man. It's very bloody, very stylized, stylized, and very sexy. Mm -hmm. Which I'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) So. This is one of the most important pieces of gothic cinema, as well as a massive influence on the goth subculture as a whole, as well as myself, for obvious reasons. Because <laughs> David Bowie is a vampire, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that's sexy as hell. <laughs> like, that's, that's some good shit. <laughs> Sarah Roberts is in jeopardy. Hey, lady. How about it? Stay with her. Help her. For she has begun to feel the awful horror of the hunger. John Blaylock. The hunger has given him everlasting life. Until now, pray for him. Miriam Blaylock. She feeds one day in seven on the unsuspecting. And soon she will turn into something that you will never be able to forget. No matter how hard and how long you try, fear her. What have you done to me? Forever and ever. And life signs terminate right here. beauty of Catherine Deneuve, the cruel elegance of David Bowie, the open sensuality of Susan Sarandon, combined to create a modern classic of perverse fear. Mysterious, sensual, strange, perverse, riveting. The Hunger. The film begins with scenes of Peter Murphy, the frontman of the classic and pivotal gothic rock band Bauhaus, as they perform at a nightclub in New York City. They're playing their song, Bela Lugosi's Dead, which is super fitting. Nice. (laughs) Because... Well, everybody knows. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, our two main vampires, John and Miriam Blaylock, played by David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve, Mm -hmm. uh, they're dressed in their trad goth attire. It's fucking sick, by the way. (laughs) Are prowling the venue for their next kills. They come across a young couple, uh, John Stephen Hill and Anne Magnuson plays them. I don't know what other films those two have been in. Mm -hmm. Um... 
Okay. They're just this goth couple. They <laughs> just find. some goth couple. <laughs> so they, br- uh, they bring the couple back to their lavish house in the city. Miriam and John seduce the couple and coerces them into having sex, but makes their attacks before anything actually happens. Mm-hmm. There's a sh- there's like a, <laughs> it's like inner cut where like David Bowie is like feeling this girl up, and I'm just like, <laughs> and then like. You know, Catherine Deneuve is just being her usual sexy self. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of like, yeah. there's, there's a lot going on in this movie. Like I'm sweating. So, um, but like I said, they make their attacks like just before things are about to go down. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyways, the Blaylocks are not your usual typical vampires. They do not have fangs or bite their kills. Hmm. Instead, they use their small daggers they keep hidden in their Onk pendants, oh. which is the symbol for eternal life. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is a huge goth thing now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, they slit the throats with their victims and suck the blood out that way. Oh. Which is really cool, I think. Yeah. They're, I've seen replicas of the necklaces, and I really want one. <laughs> so, anyways, we then find out that Miriam is centuries years old. Is centuries old. I centuries years old. Yeah. <laughs> she, like the stereotypical vampire, is an immortal being who is able to transfer her powers to the victims she specifically picks to be her lovers. Unfortunately, though, this proves to have some problems with it, which mm. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. So, like I mentioned, she is like the center of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, David Bowie is one of her many, many lovers. Okay. <laughs> and so... Um, I lost my space. <laughs> uh, found it. <laughs> so, um, the issue that I mentioned is that with these vampires, like they they have eternal life, but not eternal youth. Ah. Uh. So after like three hundred years or so, they begin to grow old. Interesting. And like deteriorate, deteriorate. That's way um, different. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like when there are deviations from the yeah. typical vampire movie uh, lore. Yeah. I forgot to mention this earlier. This is based off of a novel that was written a couple years before this. Okay. I haven't read it, but um, I, haven't, I haven't been able to find a copy of the book either. Hmm. Um, which I don't think it's that popular of a book. All right. But... Um, I it's it's based off of a book. Yeah. Okay. So after a while, um Miriam find well John just starts John starts to have trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. He starts aging like years in a couple days. Oh jeez. And I'm going to say this right now, the makeup work in this film fantastic. Cool. All right. Um Miriam is aware of the significance of this happening, and she goes looking for a famous gerontologist, Dr. Sarah Roberts, who is played by Susan Sarandon. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, she's so fucking cool. Um, she desperately wants to find a cure to make sure John doesn't, like, you know, deteriorate too much mm-hmm. because she has, you know, plans for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, that these vampires suddenly rapidly get old yeah instead like they were promised eternal life but not eternal youth right um which that was like a con of the whole yeah right turn me (laughs) kind of thing right (laughs) um the progeny are unable to die but continue to live forever in a fully conscious vegetative state oh that's messed up (laughs) 
<laughs> Miriam, this is, this is where it gets the most fucked up. <laughs> Miriam packs their decaying, aging bodies in caskets that she keeps in the attic of her residence. Hmm. There's like stacks. Yeah, right. Wow. Of like coffins. Right. Well, not, they're not really coffins. They're like those uh, crates. Oh, gee, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So her attic looks like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> like, I'm telling this out of order because there's like there's like a flashback of uh. we see John and Miriam on their wedding day. Okay. And um, it, this is supposed to be 18th century. Mm-hmm. Miriam offered this gift of quote unquote immortality right. to John, who eagerly accept, accepted, <laughs> as had all of her previous lovers. And like mm-hmm. I said, there was like five or six, to, like, you know, like lovers in right. these crates <laughs> yeah. stacked in the attic. Right. It's kind of yucky. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they seek out Dr. Roberts, who is a gerontologist, and she studies um, aging processes in primates and stuff like that, huh. which is really cool because there's a scene <laughs> where, like I said, she studies this kind of aging process in primates mm-hmm. and this rapid aging process happens to them too and she's studying that and why it happens yeah gotcha um (laughs) uh she makes contact with dr roberts and miriam through her psychic powers finds out that the doctor is just guessing and that her research is inconclusive oh Okay. (laughs) Therefore, John, as all of her lovers before him, is doomed to extinction. Oh, dang. (laughs) There's there's this really sad scene, okay, where um, John is, like, trying to tell Miriam, hey, something is wrong with me. I don't feel good. My hair's falling out in my hands. Like, I look much older than I did a couple hours ago. (laughs) What's happening? And she's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And then she, like, goes, she, like, goes upstairs and, like, David Bowie's acting, like, I feel like it's overlooked sometimes Mm -hmm. because his, just the way he plays this character is so good. Right. Yeah, Um, I agree. And he has this moment where he's like, look at me. And she's like, no, I'm not going to look at you. You disgust me, essentially. Oh, man. And he's just like, look at me. And I'm just like, it breaks my fucking heart. Yeah. But anyways, so... <laughs> John has aged decades within a few short hours, and when Sarah sees him later, uh, Susan Sarandon's character, mm-hmm. she begs John to stay so she can examine him. John had gone to see this doctor, but she thought he was just being a um, hypochondriac. <laughs> gotcha. She thought she was. She thought he was just a crazy old guy right, being like, right. "Listen, something's wrong with me." Right. And she's like, "Yeah, sit in the." Um, waiting room and I'll get back to you in like 15 minutes or so and she kind of she makes a phone call she's like yeah there's this guy here we're just let him sit there for a while he'll get tired and leave Mm -hmm. and I'm just like he might not live yeah right (laughs) (laughs) so she's just like holy shit you were right I'm sorry and he's like fuck you I'll die on my own okay (laughs) like he's just he like shrugs her off because he's like I'm dealing with this thing and Mm -hmm. you couldn't give less of a shit Mm -hmm. gotcha 
So that's also kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she literally begs John to stay, but John refuses to res- to speak to her, his hunger for blood nearly overpowering him and forcing him to leave in search of a victim. Mm-hmm. Like he came like this close to killing her right there God, right. out of anger and the fact that he's hungry. Right, right. right. Driven by his bloodlust and desperation to reverse the aging process, John makes a kill out of young Alice, who is a kid that Miriam and John um, tutor in the violin. Mm -hmm. Um, John is a a cello player, and Miriam plays the piano. Right. They uh, teach her music how to play the violin. Gotcha. Um, He kills a kid, essentially. She is, I want to say, like 12 or 13. Uh, I thought you were cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can see that he's having issues. Yeah, he's right. like, should I kill her? Should I not kill her? Right. Like, she, like, she doesn't recognize me. Mm-hmm. And because Alice doesn't realize that who she's talking to is John, and she, she thinks it's John's father, mm-hmm. because he acts like John. Right. But she doesn't recognize him. Right. right. Gotcha. And she she's like, Are you sure you're not John's father? And he's <laughs> you're like pretty old. <laughs> and he's like he's like, No, darling, like I'm just I I live here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said something like, I, you know, I could never figure John out. He's a weird guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's just kinda like This is like yeah. undercover boss. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. And he's like, yeah, he is weird. He's kind of odd. I can see that. And then he, he's like, play some music for me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, should I? This is kind of weird. Right. And, sh- and he's like, yes, please go ahead. I, pl- I used to play the cello, so it's all good. Mm-hmm. And she's like, are you sure you're not John's father? <laughs> you know, naive kid. Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he she's playing the violin, and he slits her throat. And, oh. you know, that was his meal for the other day, for the, for the day. That's brutal. Um, I forgot to mention, and um, they throw the bodies into incinerator. Oh no! <laughs> in uh, in their uh, basement, I think it is. I it's mean, a big house, like a big lavish yeah. house with all of these really nice paintings I and mean, stuff in you it. You always find it weird when houses have incinerators. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I get it. On one hand, you get rid of your trash or whatever, right? But yeah, like, but... <laughs> it's yeah. too tempting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but right. that's that's how they dispose of the bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. And people start to ask where Alice is because she hasn't been home. She hasn't been at school that day. Mm-hmm. And they know and like the police come and they talk to Miriam and she's like, yeah, she was just here because mm-hmm. she had just talked to John. She was like, the fuck did you do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't look too good for him. Yeah. The fuck did you do? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just kind of like, I wonder. <laughs> But yeah, later on, Dr. Roberts shows up at Miriam's door looking for John, and Miriam sees the doctor, she, uh, she sees in the doctor that she it could be his replacement, because uh. she knows John doesn't have long. Right. And she needs somebody to take his place, so mm-hmm. she's like, there she is. <laughs> That's her. That's the one. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> um, she immediately pr- proceeds to seduce Sarah. Hmm. Which 
It is. It is pretty hot. I was going to say. <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. Sarah is completely willing. Mm-hmm. They have wine and there is a scene because, of course, there is. Right. Sarah spills her wine all over herself and she's like, oh, no, I'm covered in wine. <laughs> So and there it was like, bored. Like, oh no. Yeah. I'm covered in wine. And, you know, you can fill in the blanks. Yeah. Uh, they, he filled in one blank. Hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but they end up having sex. And right. this, like, yeah, it's cool. Like, it's like lesbian sex, which you don't see that very often. Especially, especially not in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this film is notable for that hmm. because there's um, the main vampire is a bisexual woman. Right, yeah. Which is almost unheard of. Yeah, interesting. At the time. And I do feel like the scene does go on kind of long. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I feel like it's necessary because, like, it's, you know, making a point. Yeah. Um, Tony Scott made up for all this lesbianism with uh, the volleyball scene in Top Gun. <laughs> I hate that Terrible. fucking movie. I hate that movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sarah is very much willing to partake in this mm-hmm. sex thing with right. Miriam. But she doesn't understand that she's a vampire. There's yeah. like something... You know, off about her, yeah. and they ended up they end up like, like trading blood. Okay. Like they, Miriam like sucks on her arm, right? And like sucks some blood from her arm, which that wound will come in later. Okay. And then she ends up doing the same thing to Miriam because mm-hmm. I guess that's how sex works. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, she had just turned Sarah, and Sarah doesn't quite understand that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, a lieutenant shows up. There, he has a name, but I can't remember what it is. It's all right. <laughs> I can't like it. I think it starts with an A. Okay. <laughs> he he's played by Dan Hadaya. Hadaya. Oh yeah, Hadaya. I think mm-hmm. it's called. Yep. He shows up at Miriam's house looking for Alice and is expe- like she, he's really suspicious of Miriam because she's very odd. Mm-hmm. You know, very. Um, she has like a like a film noir kind of feel about I, her, I but at the same that. time, she's kind of like hmm. Yeah, like, I can, I gotcha. <laughs> I I could kill you. you yeah. Know? <laughs> But, like I said, he's suspicious of her, but there's no real proof that she did anything to her. Because mm-hmm. she didn't. John did. Right, yeah. I mean... <laughs> but she doesn't know that yet. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm telling this out of order because mm-hmm. my notes are kind of all over the place. It's all right. Because <laughs> when I watch this movie, I get really into it. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Meanwhile, Sarah begins to manifest the symptoms of being a vampire. Like, she can't have human food because mm-hmm. it makes her violently sick. Like, there's a scene where she's puking and her boyfriend guy, he's like, the fuck happened? <laughs> right. Are you okay? She's like, dude, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I ate something weird. Right. You know? Yeah. This is a morning sickness, is it? <laughs> this isn't morning sickness, is it? <laughs> But yeah, she also starts seeing Miriam everywhere. Okay. Um, Finally, she confronts Miriam about what happened between them. Mm -hmm. And Miriam vaguely states that she gave 
Sarah eternal life like you wanted this like you did it you could have said no but you didn't like it was consensual it's fine you're a vampire now Sarah rejects what Miriam has told her but she does understand that something awful has happened to her Sarah and her partners at the clinic, including Sarah's boyfriend, like I mentioned, his name is Tom, I think. Okay. Um, he's played by Cliff D. Young. Okay. He cannot find a cure for the change that is occurring in Sarah's blood, and mm-hmm. in desperation, Sarah returns to Miriam. Miriam arranges for Sarah to make her first kill, bringing back a male prostitute, but oh. Sarah is unwilling to take a human life. She's like, I can't do that. Right. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, Tom arrives at the townhouse looking for Sarah following her disappearance, mm-hmm. and she is surprised to find that Sarah is there. Miriam knows that Sarah's hunger is now beyond reason, and when she takes Tom to Sarah, Sarah kills him for his blood. Oh. Miriam is now convinced that she has found her new lover, and she tells Sarah that they will now share an eternity together. Mm-hmm. Sarah, however, is wracked with guilt over taking Tom's life, and she attempts suicide by cutting her own throat with Miriam's onk as they kiss. Okay. She's just kind of like... Yeah, right. (laughs) And Miriam's like, "Uh uh-uh. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Um, Sarah's blood pours into Miriam's throat, and then Sarah collapses. (laughs) Miriam is horrified at what Sarah has done, but she dutifully carries... Sarah's limp body into the attic to place her among her other desiccated lovers. Oh, okay. This time, however, she finds her crumbling lovers now out of their coffins. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) They're waiting for her. Right, yeah. (laughs) They're they're just kind of like, hmm. Hmm, something's up. Right. Hmm. The shit hit the fan, I guess. Right. <laughs> so the sudden intake of Sarah's blood has caused a change in Miriam. Suddenly released from Miriam's spell, the lovers crumble into dust as Miriam herself begins to wither. Ooh. So there's like a twist. Yeah, right. <laughs> the film's conclusion shows the lieutenant returning to question Miriam, only to find that the townhouse is now mysteriously empty and up for sale. <laughs> All of the luxurious furnishings in the home gone, and the money funneled to sleep clinic to the sleep clinic where Sarah, presumably missing, used to work. Mm-hmm. In the final shot, we see Sarah herself living in a high-rise luxury apartment surrounded by several lovers while Miriam, imprisoned in a coffin just as she did to her own lovers, screams for her release. So she is like the alpha vampire now. There's no justice like poetic justice. (laughs) So, like like I said, this movie, I I love it. Yeah. Um, Like, I've read a couple reviews of this film, and people don't like it because it's all style. There's no really, not really a plot. And I'm like, there so is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tony Scott has kind of been accused of being a style over substance director. But I, I've heard that, yeah. and I've mentioned I'm not a fan of Top Gun. Right. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. Some of the trivia for this film is kind of cool, too. Okay. Because um, David Bowie, he's great. In the in the scenes where he plays the cello, he actually learned, to play, learned how to play the cello. Oh, that's cool. Because before... Um, David Bowie was, he used to play the saxophone, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. That's fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, David Bowie said, 
in order to make his voice suitably hoarse for when he aged so drastically in the movie, <laughs> he stood on a bridge every night and screamed all of the punk, wrongs he, punk rock songs he knew. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> he screamed at the top of his lungs all of the punk songs he knew. That's awesome. And I'm like, of course he did. <laughs> David Bowie said of making this film after it was made, I must say, there's nothing that looks like it on the market, but I'm a bit worried it's just perversely bloody at some points. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although the, this is the biggest piece of mm. trivia, although right. the movie is very obviously about vampires, the mm -hmm. word vampire is never spoken once. That's interesting. You never hear the word vampire. Uh -huh. In a similar fashion to in Requiem for a Dream, like they're obviously very addicted to heroin. Yeah, the word it's... heroin is never yeah. spoken. Right. Gotcha. Um, the age of female vampire Miriam Blaylock was 6,000 years. Wow. <laughs> she's, she's up there. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of time she had been with John had been 300 years. Okay. Wow. Which is, you know. Th after like I guess the 300 year mark that's when they start to deteriorate right. and she's like oh fuck right. I have to find a new one <laughs> that's <Right>. long enough <laughs> though set in New York nearly all of the picture was shot in London okay which that's kind of weird but not right. Canada come on <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> um there's another piece of find it no. oh all right so um i'm just gonna give it from memory in the original script i guess um where susan sarandon's character of sarah um has sex with miriam mm -hmm. the original script wanted her to be like super drunk oh and uh. susan sarandon <laughs> was like no yeah why can't she willingly do it right yeah and then, and then when somebody asked her why, she's like, wouldn't you want to sleep with Catherine Deneuve? <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> like, not like, she's just like, what, wouldn't you? Right. Like, <laughs> why does it always got to be rapey? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Apparently, Tony Scott's brother, Ridley, mm -hmm. was set to direct the film, but decided to pass when he heard David Bowie was in on the deal. Oh, I don't okay. know why that is. All right. <laughs> if David Bowie was involved with anything, I'd be like, sign me up. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not a space movie. <laughs> I can't have a spaceman. Um, but yeah, this this movie is very gothic, very stylized, very mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. Most of the soundtrack is classical music, which I think is really pretty. Okay. Um, the whole film has like a bluish, like deadly, like tint to it. Okay. And the blood is very um, red. Just that's very, interesting. Yeah. Like th the use of color is pretty important. Okay. I don't know if Tony Scott thought too much about that. I'm sure he did. But because <laughs> um, I don't know a whole lot about Tony Scott other than the fact that Top Gun isn't great. Yeah. No. He, he he's very into the style. So yeah, I'm sure he's. Yeah. I'm sure he intended for the colors to clash like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because the the film has kind of like a. Like, all of, like, Miriam and John are very pale. Mm -hmm. um, 
and Sarah is pretty much normal, right? Faced. Um, yeah. The use of color is really pretty, and cool. there's a scene that I forgot to mention that I think is really fucking sick. Which mm-hmm. I don't know why they did it this way, mm-hmm. um, but there's a scene where John, after he is, you know, deteriorating after he leaves the clinic, there's right. a scene where he finds this man uh, roller skating okay. in like this kind of cave thing. Okay. And <laughs> is this a on, dream? <laughs> on the um, <laughs> on his boombox is the Iggy Pop song Fun Time. Oh. But nice. it's slowed down okay. a little bit, which I think it's cool that they picked this song because there's a line where he's like I'm talking to Dracula and his crew, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> okay. And I don't know why they slowed it down. Maybe they didn't get the rights to it, or uh, Iggy Pop was too high to realize, hey, your <laughs> your songs in this movie. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, they slow it down, mm. which it it does have a kind of sinister sound to it. But okay. the song is uncredited. Oh, that's weird. That's kind of weird. So hmm. Just as Bela Lugosi's dead is uncredited. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, because um, I guess, I guess Bauhaus was kind of like an underground band. Yeah. They at were that un- time. Uncredited. You could argue that. Oh, that's not the movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Because, um, like, like I mentioned, like Peter Murphy, he's a very vampire-looking dude, mm-hmm. which it makes sense. And they have a, like most of their songs have to deal with vampires and right. stuff like that. It's right. pretty sick. <laughs> um, they focus on him in the few in the opening sequences, which. Mm-hmm. I think is really cool because he's a very cool looking guy. <laughs> he's very neat looking. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, this movie is super popular among like my culture mm-hmm. for its aesthetic, for the way it was shot, for mm-hmm. the way it was put together, the fact that Bauhaus is fucking in it. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, you know, it's. Like I said, it's a very stylized film. I wouldn't say it's like a masterpiece, but at the same time, like it's something that needs to be seen. Okay. Like especially for it being Tony Scott's first film, and right. it's completely different from everything else he did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I gave it, I gave it four and a half stars. Nice. Because it had that much of an impact on me. Cool. All right. Um, I took a star and a half away because it's not like. Super good. Okay. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, like I said, it's not like Blade Runner. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. It's not like that kind of I understand. level, but it's very, very good. Cool. I highly recommend it. All um, right. And like I said, David Bowie's a vampire. Like, <laughs> that's fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> There's a shower scene, which I'm just like, nice. <laughs> nice. All right. <laughs> it's, it's just really cool. <laughs> So, cool. yeah, that's The Hunger. All right. All right. So, if The Hunger sounded good or if Bride <laughs> sounded good, <laughs> now for something completely different <laughs> with the 1984 Monster Dog, written and directed by Claudio Fragasso. Oh, no. Uh. Uh, 
He's a name responsible for some pretty memorable Italian horror flicks. <laughs> he also wrote and or directed Zombie 3, Zombie 4, Rats, Beyond Darkness, Hell of the Living Dead, and last but not least, Troll 2. Yes! Fuck yeah! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Don't uh, piss on hospitality! I won't allow it! So, Monster Dog was filmed in 1983, which was a dark time for Alice Cooper, who's the star of the film. Hell yeah. Uh, after battling alcoholism through, like, uh, forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of cleaned up, but then discovered cocaine. Oh, no. <laughs> so, in the early 80s, uh, you know, record sales started to slump, and mm-hmm. uh, he was actually let go from his record label. And in 83... Cooper was, like, trying to get cleaned up and figure his life out and uh, find direction. And with that came the possible acting career with an offer to be in Monster Dog. Okay. He was also in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. One of the last ones? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by then, it's kind of funny because it's like, oh, well, maybe this is my new direction. And mm-hmm. so being an Italian film made in Spain, he was told it would only appear in the Philippines, which... <laughs> well, I don't know why they promised him that. Okay. But he thought no one would see it anyway. <laughs> so that was a lie. Yeah, right. Interesting. Uh, filming of Monster Dog took place between 83's album uh, Dada and his 86 comeback album Constrictor, uh, which, you know, had a huge hit. Teenage Frankenstein. Hell yeah. Whatever. Although so, the best song is He's Back, The Man Behind right, the Mask. Right, yeah, the same yeah. yeah. That music video was on TV the other day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, I love this. Yeah. So, like, while this movie isn't great, it was happening right at a pretty pivotal point in his life. Uh-huh. You know, so it's interesting, I think, as an Alice Cooper fan. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so during filming, Fergasso asked Cooper to write a pair of songs, which he did. And uh, both of which have been released on the The Life and Crimes of Alice Cooper box set. So if you're interested in those, that's where you can find those. Okay. Um, they're pretty good. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in typical Italian fashion, though, Monster Dog was filmed without audio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was dubbed. So you don't really hear anything of Alice Cooper except for those songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. It, it's so it weird. <laughs> Because, like, he has a distinctive voice. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, if you hear him talk, you're like, oh, that's Alice Cooper yeah, talking. Yeah. And it was funny, because just watching it, like, I could kind of hear his voice in my head <laughs> over top the dubbed voice. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's 20 years later, and Vince Raven is going home. He's hoping for a new beginning, but somehow he can't escape the horror of his past. And now, things are really getting hairy. People say it's only a legend, but no matter how real the story, a legend can't kill. Is he human, or is he master of the dogs? The terror of your worst nightmare is about to be unleashed. Monster Dog. Sword Tale begins with Alice Cooper playing the rocker Vincent Raven, (laughs) (laughs) uh, who's on the road uh, 
taking a trip to his rural childhood home where he and his crew plan to film a video for his upcoming album. And uh, along the way, they meet the police who have their road blocked and uh, they inform Police officers, not the police with Sting. No. (laughs) 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 Inform them that uh, there have been a roving pack of wild dogs that have been attacking and killing people. And, you know, Vincent and company, three women, two guys who are part of this film crew, mm-hmm. uh, are allowed to continue on the road, but the police advise them that, like, if you have guns where you're going, have them ready, because you never know. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone in that you don't know. It's dangerous. Right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so moments after the group are gone, the two police officers are attacked and killed by some shadowy mutant thing. <laughs> a monster dog. <laughs> 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 Which I feel like if this movie came out now and was at all popular, it would be very obvious what the porno parody would be called. <laughs> monster dog. Ew. <laughs> Where when the, the fucking full moon comes out, you just have a huge rager. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! I dropped my monster condom that I used for my Magnum doll. Oh my god! I heard a rumor. Uh oh. I don't. I don't know how true this is, and I can't believe I'm bringing it up. Uh oh. But so I heard a rumor that Trent Reznor owns Durex. Is that true? Owns what? Durex, like the oh. condom company. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I guess in the 90s when the single Down in It came out, like <laughs> part of the promotional process with, was Nine Inch Nails condoms. Oh, okay. And so, I'm like, what the fuck? You got me. <laughs> well, Chris has those too. Yeah. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> I was, like, I was like... I thought I, you were going to say you heard a rumor that Danny DeVito has a magnum dong. Should... <laughs> Anyway, Put that sentence back in your mouth. <laughs> but I, I read that somewhere, All right. and I'm just like, what the fuck? Was it on the internet? It was on the internet. <laughs> but, like, it's it's disputed, because, like, people are like, no, that's not uh, true. And then our people are like, it's true. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just like... <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> so there's that. You're welcome. Um... A little further down the road, Vincent hits a stray dog, perhaps one of these roving dogs, right. with with his van and uh, with his dong. He, like yeah, his <laughs> when he gets out to put the the animal out of its misery, they encounter a blood-soaked elderly doomsayer type. Oh no! Oh god! Tells You're all that, doomed. Yeah, that the uh, it tells them that uh, the wind has shifted and uh, it will lift the fog and you will all die. Uh. And they're like, what the fuck? The dogs will have you. Whoa. And then he fucking disappears into the foggy wilderness. Gotta love a prophet of doom. Yep. It's just like, is that guy all right? <laughs> so finally they arrive at Vincent's old family farmhouse, which is actually kind of like a mansion, but right. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's expecting to find the caretaker of the property, but he's missing, and this you know upsets Vincent because, oh no, he's old. Right. Is he in the shower? His life alert isn't ringing. Oh, my God. So later during the night, Angela, who I didn't really mention any of these characters by name because they're kind of interchangeable and yeah, there's nothing unique about them. Okay, right. But uh, Angela has a nightmare in which she is attacked by the blood-soaked bum who tells her that you know Vincent isn't who he says he is and uh, that he's going to kill them all. Before they leave. I guess that's kind of a moot point, because once you're dead, you're not really good. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, but after she wakes up, she tells everyone about this dream and how it ends with Vincent turning into a werewolf and attacking her. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. So it's a lot of, uh, oh, did she only dream that because of these roving, roving dog stories? Mm-hmm. Right. Or is she like clairvoyant? Can see the <laughs> right. So, you know, everyone kind of laughs it off except Vincent. Later he confines in Sandra, who I guess is sort of like his love interest. Okay. Uh, but anyway. So, uh, <laughs> 20 years earlier, the town had run in with a similar, like, wild dog situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was worse than that because his father contracted uh, some sort of heart disease that turned him into, like, a madman. Gotcha. Okay. And he started hunting animals with his bare hands. Oh, jeez. Okay. You know, similar how, like, a wolf man might. Right. <laughs> so the locals discover Vincent's father covered in blood, and uh, they're like, well, look, he's been doing the killings, so they burn him alive. Because, <laughs> you know, the law doesn't exist. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now Vincent, remembering all this, starts to wonder if there's, you know, something to all this legends of werewolves and what have mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So the next few days are spent location scouting and filming the latest Vincent Raven's, you know, most rockin' music video. <laughs> uh, as their filming continues into the night, a man appears and falls off of the house's balcony, landing on Angela, who's going to be in one of the videos. Oh. Mm. And it happens to be the caretaker. Somehow Angela's okay. <laughs> but it's a caretaker, and he's been murdered, and so this puts everyone on edge, and it, you know, takes its toll on Angela, who's been struggling to deal with these nightmares about right. where, where men and Right. <laughs> now catching a dead guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Angela sort of wanders off in a daze. And uh, um, once Vincent discovers that she's missing, he like heads out to go find her mm-hmm. out in the farmland of Spain. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Spain, America. Right, right. <laughs> Spain, America. <laughs> gotcha. Because, you know, he wants to make sure that he gets to her before the dogs do it. Right, right. Uh, so the group armed themselves with guns that happened to be there, luckily, and uh, <laughs> they're afraid that, you know, oh, the dogs, but also perhaps the killer is, you know, on the property still. Mm-hmm. Uh, because once the caretaker is discovered dead, there's no, like, watch out for, he's just dead. You know, there's no <laughs> yeah, deathbed yeah. confession or, you know. Right. Interesting. So as they try to call the police, they discover that the phone line has been cut. And it's Jason. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, like clockwork, a group of gun-toting locals arrive demanding that they see Vincent. And uh, as it turns out, these locals were the men who killed Vincent's father 20 years earlier. And now that the wild dog attacks have returned, they start to suspect that Vincent, he must like carry on the bloodline. Whatever was wrong with his dad... He, now we gotta kill him. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they plan to shoot him through the heart with a silver bullet. Mm-hmm. And Sandra steps forward. And she's like, "What? This is all stupid, stupid superstition crap. Like, what, you <laughs> damn hillbillies." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, Vincent finds Angela out in the field, and it's clear that uh, you know mentally she's unraveling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is no longer important because when they return to the house, the locals are holding this crew hostage. And the very moment the front door opens, as they return, they start shooting. Okay. And it was Angela walking through first. Oh, no! Uh. (laughs) So she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. From here on out, the film turns into a western as uh, Vincent fights off the locals in a gun battle. Right. And while this happens, the dogs let themselves into the house and start tearing apart the crew. All right. Gotcha. So Vincent and Sandra manage to escape, and uh, as they drive to safety in the night, it attacks the monster dog oh. from the back seat of the car. Apparently, it was waiting to make out. <laughs> so it attacks Vincent as he drives. Sandra ba- bails out of the car as it 
careens over a cliff. Mm-hmm. Or I'm assuming there's a cliff. Right. right. I don't see a cliff, but then the car's upside down. Gotcha. (laughs) Movie magic. So, Sandra makes her way to the car to see if it's it's okay, if he survived, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is when she finds him. And as she does, he's transforming into a monster dog. Oh, no. So, the attack took just that quick to transform him, I I guess. I guess so, yeah. Uh, And he's begging her to shoot him before it's too late. And after a moment, she builds up her courage and blows him away. Uh, The film ends with Sandra gripping her shotgun, slowly making her way back to the road in the night. Okay. Gotcha. So that's Monster Dog. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just okay. Yeah. You know, when you hear that there's an Alice Cooper horror movie from back in the 80s, it's easy to get excited. Right. Like, oh, fucking A. Like, he should be in movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't get too excited. Uh, (laughs) Monster Dog, I think, has a pretty good script, but with a little tweaking, it could be, like, really good. Okay. For example, it suggests... It's suggested by the locals that, you know, Vincent is the werewolf. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really make sense because he would have transformed with the... Unless the lore is different, but they yeah. never really address the lore other than right. getting bit makes you one and silver bullets. Mm-hmm. Right. But, like, he's been a successful rock star and he's, like, traveling the world and playing with his band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would have fucking been a werewolf somewhere. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't really add up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because like, there's like a cycle with that. Right. Like, so, so there would would've, be, people would know. He would have changed at least a couple times while on tour. Right. Mm-hmm. It would have been like Theoretically. <laughs> right. That's a sick song, by the way. Another music reference. Yes. <laughs> but so, like, the possibility of him actually being a werewolf, you know, is dealt with as like a family secret, but that mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense. So, aside from that, I thought it was a missed opportunity even having a monster dog in the first place because why not keep this uh roving pack of vicious dogs and the simple locals like sort of fall into hunting humans thinking that there's a monster out there like Mm -hmm. letting their superstition and fear getting the best of them only to like reveal at the end that like there was never any yeah right right um and also because with uh the one girl's nightmares and, and stuff like that like we kind of play on what the audience's perception of reality is like mm-hmm. are these things happening mm-hmm. aren't they is it in her head right is he a monster <laughs> <laughs> so the, the film could have blurred the lines between reality and make believe sure uh, sure mm-hmm. but it didn't and uh <laughs> I guess that's my main complaint like instead of being different interesting Fragasso settles on making a movie that isn't much more than existing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, As usual. Yeah. Like the acting and the camera work and all the other technical aspects of the film are, are fine. Okay. Uh, they're not, you know, award winning or anything, but they do uh-huh. their job. The special effects are few and okay. Gotcha. Uh, there's yeah. a passable head explosion during the shootout. Hey, all right. Awesome. One of like the only seeds of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the monster dog is little more than a puppet head <laughs> filmed. <laughs> in dark woods yeah. with fog but you could tell like they only had a head and a neck right right yeah. and it's not that great anyway the budget was limited yeah so with that said Monster Dog is more of like an Alice Cooper curiosity than anything else uh huh otherwise pretty forgettable I give it two stars okay it had mm-hmm. a beginning middle and end okay cool that's what we can expect from movies but uh you know those um, <laughs> that's what you hope <laughs> these three reviews I'm just thinking you know those um 
uh, picture things where you can like spot all the like matching things or like the, you know those bar spot yeah. the differences. Yeah, we could do listen to this and spot how many bands or rock stars got mentioned in the course of this entire episode. Well, yeah. <laughs> at the end, I'm going to mention another one. Oh boy! <laughs> it's time for comments. You've got mail. The Slaughter Film crew love getting feedback, and there are three ways to leave your unique, strange, and quite frankly, a little disturbing questions and comments. First, at the website slaughterfilm.com. Second, email the show at slaughterfilm at hotmail.com. And last but not least, call the Slaughter Film hotline and leave a message by dialing 1-814-636-1378. So, Blake says, in response to last week's Gothic, mm-hmm. since Lord Byron is played by Gabriel Byrd, a.k.a. the devil from End of Days, <laughs> he says, I was hoping that Rhiannon would have mentioned a scene uh, where he argues with Julian Sands about who could satisfy Mary more. Oh. Sands could scream yeah. in a British accent, you're a fucking choir boy compared to me. <laughs> Like it's fu- it's funny he mentions that because that is implied. <laughs> yeah. Because um, like I mentioned, Percy Shelley was a huge believer in free love. Yeah, and yeah. They have a goddamn orgy. Right, right. So like, it, it's 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 implied. Like there's there is talk of that in the movie. <laughs> All right. He also asks uh, Rhiannon if you'd ever watched Haunted Summer, which I guess is a same subject matter i did i did i watched it this week because i mentioned last week that i wanted to and i finally did cool um i liked gothic better okay only because it's weirder all right (laughs) but um i did like haunted summer quite a bit all right uh he also asks if we have seen the tnt original movie frankenstein from the 90s i have because it's pretty faithful i guess mm-hmm. I, I don't have. think yeah. i've seen it i don't it's... remember seeing it i remember hearing about it i know james yeah. rolf has talked about it okay yeah my mom um she has a dvd copy of it and it's not bad okay it's not bad hmm. um another uh version of uh frankenstein that i really liked is uh the kenneth Branagh one Oh, yes. Uh, we mentioned that. Yeah, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. that one. And um, there's uh, Dean Koontz had a series of books that was his own version of Frankenstein. Yeah, I think I remember hearing about those. And those aren't bad either. Okay. Um, cool. So there are, there are adaptations, but those ones, um, obviously the Dean Koontz isn't very faithful because mm-hmm. there's, you know, right. uh, liberties taken. But right. um, yeah, the TNT... TV movie version is really cool. You know, I did like it. I don't think I've even come across it to buy, but yeah. I don't know that I've really been looking that close. <laughs> yeah, right. My mom finds anything and everything. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> she found me a copy of um, Three on a Meat Hook. Oh, nice. <laughs> on DVD. Nice. And I'm like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> yeah, usually when I see, like, on a DVD on the spine, it'll have, like, the TNT logo. Mm-hmm. And that piques my interest. Usually it's, like, some Western. Mm-hmm. But uh, I always want to pick them up because they were made for TV and TNT. Like, they're not going to put those movies out again. Yeah. So I'm kind of, like, curious about any of them, really. Mm-hmm. Right. But they did mostly do Westerns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it is pretty. It is pretty good. I do believe it's on YouTube too, okay, in well, pieces you maybe. Hmm. All right, neat. I could be wrong about that. 
but I'm not sure. All right. That's it for comments. All I right. had one small rant about YouTube. <laughs> oh boy. It's kind of a comment or not really. Uh-huh. So, our Black History Month episode. Uh huh. I haven't paid any attention, but it has a lot of oh, thumbs geez. up and thumbs down. Oh, but okay. in the last time I uh, signed in, it had like 3,000 views. Holy fuck. Oh my lord. And But it also had a content claim, probably because me, I probably said, you know. Boss Edward, a movie title. Yeah, something. <laughs> I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, we're obviously having a discussion about it. Yeah. We're not, like, mm-hmm. racist ranting, but, like, that's enough for somebody to... I don't get why that's so controversial, because we didn't say... We just talked about the movie. The movies. Yeah. And, and like, in the subject matter around it. Yeah. I'm, so. I'm pretty sure that I even had my own thing saying, like, this isn't relevant. <laughs> yeah. Like, racism isn't... I don't get it. I hate YouTube. I really hate YouTube. <laughs> I really do. Um, so everyone on the internet's a whiny cunt. Yeah. And, yeah. You know what it's, I mean? It's like, even if that, that was like a real person in front of me saying that, yeah, or, or objecting in some way. Like right. even if we explained it, and I don't even know necessarily that that was their gripe, but yeah, well, who knows? But I just I hate YouTube. I hate how. Um, extreme it's got, it's I a, guess. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a mess. It's so. mob rule. Yeah. So <laughs> and it's like Which, not fun or rewarding to deal with. No, not at <laughs> Holy all. Holy shit. Another music reference. The Black Sabbath song. <laughs> oh. <laughs> mob rules. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I did that on purpose. <laughs> but anyways, but like, we didn't say anything that was, you know, meant to hurt anybody we were just talking about the movies themselves we, we didn't said, we didn't have like opinions really no we i just don't think talked we said about anything the movies. controversial at all yeah um i know that at one point we were accused of white guilt and i don't remember ever <laughs> saying anything yeah, related to that. white guilt at all i've never matter. heard of that as a thing oh that's a thing either. Um, yeah. but then but, again i i don't get out much I don't know. So yeah, it's it's just weird because I don't know what they're objecting to because you're just doing thumbs up or thumbs down. Are are we either too racist or not racist enough? I don't fucking <laughs> yeah, know no. anymore. I think it's, I yeah, think I it's the I think it's the latter okay. because people like people nowadays. I've noticed they literally look for things to be upset about. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate and, everything. So. And it's and so little of it actually has to do with them. Yeah. That's like people... So, sorry you hated us talking sorry about, about horror that. Oh, Sorry, yes, uh, <laughs> our discussing the content of a documentary offended everyone so much. Sorry about right. that. Don't, don't watch the documentary, because yeah. then that'll really have you go. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what else, too? We're fucking, you know, slaughter film review yep. horror movies people yeah. get fucking decapitated and raped and all sorts of shit we have a rape jar yeah <laughs> so like our language you should expect it mm-hmm. this motherfucker's rated R alright yeah. yeah and like I said a word I'm not proud of last week but I don't like remember you don't I, need to repeat it, but I don't even, <laughs> I don't even remember so it, it kind of slipped but like it's one of those things where it's like we like I said we were just talking about a thing that right. we were interested in. We didn't mm-hmm. really have like an opinion one way or another. We mm-hmm. were just talking about what we saw right. and like what was interesting about it. We right. didn't, you know, really have like this is wrong. This is fucked up. This no. is we didn't have that. Intent matters. Yeah. Like we could just sit here and name slurs 
Yeah. And we're not even using them, but I'm sure. I don't know. See, now I'm going to go enough. off a little bit because I, I actually re-listened to that. I was talking about Horror Noir. <laughs> oh, did you? Be- well, because we got accused of being like SJWs and like shit like that. Yeah. Uh... And I don't remember. I, we, no, I, I not that I don't remember. I listened to it and we didn't say anything <laughs> pertaining to any of that stuff. We, we did not really. All we talked about was... Here is black representation in horror films. Here, how, here's how it's changed over the years. Right. I a lot of the people made really good points. There's some things that I artistically disagree with, like their interpretations of certain movies. Right. That's it. What the fuck is controversial about that? <laughs> yeah, like, like we there was there was um, there was one movie we were talking about where we felt like they were um, they like went to like they read too far into the yeah film. well that's what i was saying i think that yeah some of them i mean i respect their interpretation but my interpretation is completely different which yeah. that's kind of a cool thing when you when you have people <laughs> of different backgrounds and different cultures you get yeah. those different interpretations yeah, and, that, that's and i welcome kind of, that that's kind of the point of what we do here like you know people are gonna have different opinions about things we review yeah and like, i think that's, that's, that's it what's irritating about any of this because like you can't shared opinion when you no. could anonymously be penalized yeah <laughs> it's like so. like without any explanation because that's the thing too like on your youtube account you could you know uh dispute it and it's like yeah. well i don't fucking know what triggered this person so what am i even so sp- what am so i even i wrote like two sentences like we were discussing race in films Fuck you, YouTube. You're making this too hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what am I supposed to defend myself against? Yeah. I don't know what the fuck the crime was, you cunts. It, it didn't yeah. say anything, but it just said content claim or something? Yeah, that's all. Oh, oh okay. Content claim. And it wasn't like copyright, because that's a separate No, thing. yeah, it's a copyright claim. So we different. said something. Which, you know, I'm surprised we haven't offended someone. Just like something I've said joking. Because sometimes I fucking get weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised it hasn't happened. But... Whatever. I, I don't remember. We didn't, like, I don't remember us saying anything that could have... I think that episode is one of the tamest episodes we've ever done. So it's kind of <laughs> ironic that that's the one where everyone loses their fucking mind. So, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It got a lot of listens. Okay. Or views. You don't have to watch the whole thing for it to get... That's, that's tough, too. Like, yeah. audience retention. And yeah. YouTube's complicated. Yeah. Hey, you want to make some videos? Be in algorithm fucking junkie <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever well anyway I'm defending us here and the, the word white guilt was never once mentioned <laughs> yeah we, I think that we were very fair and balanced to quote a famous <laughs> despised news channel yeah. um, <laughs> ew what <laughs> sorry um, I probably used an N word but it was either in context or the name of a film uh, the name of a film yeah because <laughs> in the past we did review that film. Mm-hmm. And that didn't get us in trouble. <laughs> nope. Uh, whatever. Uh, whatever. Interesting. <laughs> so that's it for comments mm-hmm. and YouTube. <laughs> that's it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, like always, tune to website, slaughterfilm.com, because mm-hmm. you can hear news and reviews related to horror and science fiction and fantasy and action and genre films. We also talk about superheroes and pro wrestling and so many rock bands and rock stars. Speaking of which, uh oh, I have another review coming. Okay. Okay. It's <laughs> oh boy. It's a full moon movie. Okay. okay. I think. All right. I think. Are you gonna say something about Blue Oyster Cult? No. Oh. oh. Um. 
It's a movie called Spellcaster. It was made in 87. Okay. It didn't come out till 92. Okay. But the cell... <laughs> That's not good. ...was that Adam Ant was in it. Oh, okay. And I love Adam Ant. Nice. So I had a hard time picking between The Hunger and Spellcaster. <laughs> okay, cool. So I was like, I'll do The Hunger, because surprisingly, you guys haven't reviewed that yet. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I'm going to have a written review of that soon. Sounds it's, good. It's called Spellcaster. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Okay. But it's not good, but at the same time, <laughs> Adam Ant's pretty fucking sick. All right. Yeah. So... Sounds good. Yeah, because I thought there was, or I, I know there is, uh, but I th- think it was Full Moon. It was a movie, horror movie about a radio station, and it was a Blue Oyster Cult soundtrack. Oh, yeah, I, I remember. I don't know what it's called, but I remember that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it's called. The soundtrack mm-hmm. was released like as their own album. So. Mm-hmm. But anyway, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and, you know, other stuff that comes to a town near you, and <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, listen to us on iTunes and Google Play, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say after this one. I don't know. Yeah. Listen to more music? <laughs> listen to more music. Uh, yeah. Uh, in the comments, I want to see if somebody can count Isolate. how many yeah. music <laughs> references oh, we made stuff. today yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to see if somebody can do it all right all right so off to the store to get those monster dog condoms <laughs> disgusting <laughs> bye this episode of the slaughter film podcast features the talents of Corey carr forrest taylor and rhiannon pushtak produced and edited by Corey carr Music by Vanguard and introduced by me, Ricky. 